ransomware attacks against government agencies, especially cities and counties, were absolutely out of control. There were 79 ransomware attacks against U.S. government organizations in 2020. That totaled nearly $19 billion in downtime and recovery costs. So we're not talking chump change here. Hi, I'm Doug Thompson, and today on Let's Converge, we're talking cyber attacks on state and local government. We're going to start with something that's pretty apparent and something not so apparent. First, the obvious thing. Ransomware attacks are on the rise for both government agencies and private enterprises. What's not so apparent with government attacks are the targets themselves. It's not just the big federal agencies with deep pockets. Just in the last few months, we've seen cyber attacks in Quincy, Illinois, Somerset County, New Jersey, and Bernalillo, New Mexico. You might need to pull out your Google Maps to find some of these places. But as David Rand will explain, just because they're small doesn't make them any less of a target. David is a business and technology reporter, and he's a frequent contributor to Tanium's new online magazine, offering businesses and tech leaders the latest insight on today's toughest cyber challenges. Dave took a deep dive into this subject, talking with state and local IT leaders. These folks are understaffed and underfunded, so the federal government plans to roll out $1 billion in cyber grants to states this year. But how should state CIOs and CISOs prepare? What should they prioritize? Hey, welcome to the podcast, Dave. We've got a lot to cover, but first, I guess it's fair to say that ransomware isn't going anywhere anytime soon, is it? Uh, well, thanks for having me here, Doug. And um, yeah, ransomware is a big deal. You know, ransomware attacks against government agencies, especially cities and counties, are absolutely out of control right now. Each month this year alone, there's been at least one example of a U.S. town, county, or state government being hit by ransomware. I've seen stats suggesting the average ransom paid in these kinds of attacks is around $925,000, which is up 71% from last year. Saw another stat that there were 79 ransomware attacks against U.S. government organizations in 2020. That totaled nearly $19 billion in downtime and recovery costs. So we're not talking chump change here. I think too often people rely on cyber insurance as sort of the panacea to not, not everybody by and large, but I, but as I talk to people, say hey, we've got cyber insurance, so they sort of defocus on this a little bit. You know, I would rather be stop or you know try to block as many of these things as I could rather than simply relying on insurance to do things. Yeah, and you know it, it's something you'll probably see me writing about sometime soon. Is uh, cyber insurance has has been something? It hasn't covered everything that government agencies or you know. Uh, companies for that matter uh, need to be covering. And it's going away because it's just getting super expensive to cover. But, you know, the problem for government agencies is most operate on limited budgets. So, you know, they're investing, they're not investing in top-notch security. It's not something they typically do, even if they really need to. Uh, in fact, it's more common for government procurement officers to default to purchasing good enough hardware and software instead of best of breed, which would have more security features. It's not even uncommon for government agencies these days to be running antiquated endpoint devices and operating systems from, you know, four or five, six years ago or more uh, when the cybersecurity rules were completely different. Um, but, you know, some states are looking closely at this. They want to change it and they're trying to figure out how to help their local governments rise to higher levels of cybersecurity proficiency. And I run this into education a lot where you've got these smaller K through 12s, which don't have a budget. How do they sort of fend for themselves? Because, you know, sometimes in these really small ones, the the dog catcher or the janitor is also the IT person. 
Yeah, that's absolutely true. And, it, you know, it's going to vary by size of municipality or size of agency or even in the tribal areas. Yeah, I mean, sometimes they don't even have an IT staff, to your point. Sometimes they do, but even when they have an IT person with some technological background or technology background, they don't necessarily have the funding that they need to actually make a substantial change. So, you know, it wouldn't be uncommon to walk into a city um, city office or city manager's office and find a Windows Vista machine sitting on his desk <laughs> or her desk. Yeah. <laughs> I was at Microsoft when Vista came out. Once we got to SP1, it wasn't so bad. <laughs> I was at Microsoft for Windows Vista too, so I think we know what that's all about. Well, good. Well, you obviously, you weren't in Philly with me when we launched that. It was like midnight in February, and it's below zero. And uh, well, anyway, that's a whole other life that we <laughs> we had. But you talk about funding, and, and I hear a lot. You know, the Feds are are sort of gotten the message that we need to do something about this, and. And, you know, I know there's some funding that's coming out. And you had an interesting conversation with with a uh, state CISO the other day. Yeah, I sure did. That was Ryan Murray and a uh, great guy. Uh, so the state of Arizona, you know, I mentioned it, a lot of states are looking at how they can help local governments rise to higher levels of cybersecurity proficiency. State of Arizona is one of those. And like many states, it's struggled to find the funding to secure government operations. And it's mostly rural communities and tribal areas. Uh, so three years ago, they set out to upgrade antiquated IT systems using a combination of federal grant money and state budgetary contributions. So this isn't something that's just coming up this year. Uh, most recently, they decided, though, to pursue a portion of this $1 billion in cybersecurity grants, grant money that's contained in the Biden infrastructure bill that was passed last November. By itself, that money is not going to be enough. But Arizona's actually been pretty aggressive about going after these kinds of grants. Really, they're tin cupping wherever they can. Uh, they're even partnering with other states to share funds, uh, you know, the idea to make a difference regionally. And, you know, so Ryan Murray, the CISO in Arizona, told me he's optimistic they're going to be successful in upgrading the state's security posture over time. You know, IT and, and just, I think, budgets in general are, are where you take what you can get and then use that and hopefully as a launching pad to go to the next step, especially when it comes to cybersecurity, because you're right, it's not unusual to find very old, antiquated, very vulnerable equipment in these places. And as a taxpayer, you know, I appreciate a state not somebody not wasting money or taxpayer money being trying diligent with it. But I, I think there's some education that needs to go across, one, with the legislators and two, with the taxpayers as well of, hey, this is why we need this and this is what it's going to do. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. Ryan Murray told me that it's been, it is a constant education process, right? Working with legislators, working with the governor, just trying to explain the situation. Here's what ransomware is, for example. Here's the potential cost. Here's what it could do to operations. Here's what it could do to our public image. You know, in Arizona, Governor Ducey seems to get it. Uh, there is an IT security portion of the state budget. Murray tells me he's been a great partner in trying to go after uh, funding wherever it might exist. What got him sort of aware of this or, or, or taking this tack? Because, you know, certainly as you talk to to other institutions, you know, I mean, you've talked to a lot of people or seen a lot of people. There's some that haven't quite gotten that message yet. Yeah, I'm not really sure, to, to tell you the truth. I think every CISO at one level or another knows this is an issue. Uh, you know, it, it's not something that's a surprise to anybody. Uh, as I mentioned, the, you know, ransomware is out of control it's not getting any better. When you're in a state like Arizona, where 80% of the state sits in rural areas, 
you know, they're struggling not only with bandwidth, you know, Wi-Fi connectivity, but, you know, they're struggling just to have basic cybersecurity in place and things like, um, you know, multi-factor authentication, just having best practices around that, moving people away from passwords. Uh, it, it, it's no surprise when you're a, a security professional that these things need to happen. Uh, sometimes it's a surprise, you know, to uh, legislators because they're not necessarily fully aware of just how antiquated systems are, how how behind they are. And, you know, the, the, the MO over time has been, as I mentioned, going for good enough uh, security as opposed to best of breed security. These days with hackers and the sophistication, the level of sophistication uh, that they have, good enough is not good enough. You wrote the thing about we need cyber hygiene as a piece of this as well, because sometimes we, we get the... We give somebody the keys to the Ferrari and we don't teach them how to drive. Are you seeing people sort of understanding this need too, so that when they give funding for broadband, they also give more funding and ongoing funding for things like cyber hygiene and IT security? Yeah, well, I think it's a constant education process for the IT security team, the CISOs, to be constantly communicating the importance of baking security into anything you do from a technology standpoint, from the very beginning. I've been in high tech for the longest time, you know, going on longer than I care to admit, I'll say. And even in the high tech industry, security can be an afterthought. It can be a checkbox. You know, you, you're developing a product and you go down the road with it. And then at the very end, you say, oh, wait, uh, how are we going to secure this? Because you get so excited about the product. And, you know, it's just human nature. And I think that goes on on a state by state level. And yeah, to your point, if, if you're going to do any kind of digital transformation, or you're going to start rolling out broadband, or, you know, in this case, you're just trying to up, upgrade uh, your IT infrastructure at a local level, security's got to be built into your strategy, into your plan from the get-go. Yeah, I, I know you said you were at Microsoft too, and there was a time that we, when I was there, we sort of, okay, now we have to start with security number one and develop products. And you see how that's worked. We still, there's there's still holes, but and that's just the nature of software when you're developing it. You're going to have those things and the, and the bad guys are more apt to find them that, uh, you know, as they get out in the wild than, than we are. You, you mentioned, so of the Fed funding, we talked about that, but we always know that anytime that the Fed offers money, there, there's usually hurdles and strings are attached to those. Well, sure. Well, here, here here's, uh, you know, in the article I just wrote, here's how this infrastructure bill cybersecurity funding works. As part of the infrastructure bill, there's a billion dollars set aside. That's supposed to be split among 50 states. Now, not all states will go for that, but imagine, you know, 50 states trying to share just $1 billion for cybersecurity. It's not a ton of money, um, but it's something, right? And it, you know, so over the next uh, four years or so, uh, it's going to be distributed in chunks. So $200 million will be available this year, $400 million in 2023, $300 million in 2024, and another $100 million in 2025. Now, the rules require that at least 80% of grant money flow to the localities over that time. So the states might be going for the funding, but they're going to have to get it out uh, you know, to the cities, to the counties, to the tribal areas. In other words, that means the states have to match the grant money with their own funds. So they have to be bought in, right? The, the governor has to be bought in, has to be part of the budget. So 10, you know, the states have to put in 10% the first year, and that's going to increase 10 percentage points each year until 2025. So they also need to, as part of this, 
put forth a cybersecurity plan. So they have to submit this plan to get this money. And it has to lay out exactly how the money is going to be distributed and how's it, how it's going to be applied. They have to have the apparatus in place to do it. Okay, Dave. So explain it to me like I'm a fifth grader here. I'm a state CIO, CISO. What should I be doing now to get this money? Uh, what's the step-by-step? -step? There's really five things states uh, could or should be doing. And, you know, this is what my sources are telling me. But, you know, first of all, you know, brush off that cybersecurity plan. Yeah, you may have one, but it needs to be specific, again, to what you're going to be doing with this, this infrastructure bill funding. Uh, it has to detail with the states or how the states are going to up-level security in the localities and tribal areas. Number two, you know, talk to locals. Uh, CISOs need to be working with local agencies now to not only determine what they'll do from a tools or endpoint device standpoint, but also consider, you know, things like ramping up training uh, support or hiring managed security service providers to implement cybersecurity improvements. That's one thing, by the way, that Ryan Murray in Arizona told me that they're looking at is bringing in MSSPs to help because not every locality, to your point, uh, has in-house staffing, uh, you know, the, maybe the janitor's not enough to to implement a zero trust uh, security infrastructure. So considering MSSPs uh, would, would be a good, good move. Third, you know, educate other government stakeholders. Again, to your point, Doug, you know, governors, state legislators, and administrators need to understand the importance of cybersecurity for heading off cyber attacks like ransomware. Uh, and they need to upgrade IT infrastructure, uh, security infrastructure as soon as possible. By making them partners in these efforts, it's possible to increase available funds over time. Uh, in Arizona, for example, Governor Ducey's budget sets aside $10 million to help local governments in K through 12 school districts upgrade their security posture. Fourth thing to think about is, uh, you know, just don't don't limit yourself. Think broadly. Don't just look at this infrastructure bill money and think that's not enough or that amount is too small to waste time pursuing. That's going to be human nature to think about that and go, gosh. It's a lot of work over four years for just a small amount of money, but there are multiple federal funding programs states can tap into, and they're coming up all the time. Uh, the Department of Homeland Security, for example, recently announced $1.6 billion in preparedness grants to fight terrorism, and there's a cybersecurity funding component to that. Arizona's going after that as well. The final thing I'd mention, and this surprised me, and, and this is something that Arizona mentioned, is it, you can partner with other states, potentially. So if CISA doesn't disallow it, and there's no reason to think that they would, but as long as they don't, states can actually partner with one another to share time, money, and resources for fighting cybercrime regionally versus within their own states. I, I believe that, uh, if I have this right, I think Arizona's talking to uh, government leaders in Texas and New Mexico, I believe, is the other state about doing exactly that. What's your final thoughts on this? Anything that, that comes to mind? There's a lot of opportunity out there for states to pursue federal funding, and they should. You know, they need to be actively involved in, in doing that, not look a gift horse in the mouth. Think about it more broadly. Again, partner with colleagues in, in the state legislature, partner with your governor, think about partnering with other states look at it regionally. You know, Jennifer Pittman-Leeper, a customer engagement manager at Tanium, said this funding is not a magic wand, but it is a beginning and government agencies have to start somewhere. It's good, good to start with this infrastructure bill funding if you haven't already started looking at these kinds of programs. Thanks, Dave, for sharing all that critical and timely information. I've been talking to award-winning journalist David Rand 
who writes for Tanium's new online cybersecurity news magazine. You can check out those stories at Tanium.com. If you're a state CIO or CISO, and you want to learn more about how to land this federal money or how to improve your cyber hygiene, check out the links in the podcast show notes. To hear more stories like this, make sure to subscribe to Let's Converge on your favorite podcast app, such as Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to sharing more cyber insights on the next episode of Let's Converge.